This podcast is part of the Power of Podcasting Network. Find it at powerofpodcasting.com. Today on episode number 723, we're interviewing Daryl Grove from the Total Soccer Show. He and his co-host are podcasting full-time. They have a phenomenal Because of My Podcast story. And I'm going to do another session of Why Is This Good? Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005. I'm your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you, yeah, you so much for showing up. This is where I help you start your podcast, but I do more than that. I help you grow your influence. My website is schoolofpodcasting.com. Go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. Use the coupon code LISTENER. That's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R and save 20% on either a monthly or yearly subscription. And what I often will start off a show with it because of my podcast story, but I'm going to do something different today. I, I did an episode a while back on why is Mark Maron's podcast good? And... If you're new to the show, I work at Libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N. They are a podcast media hosting company, the largest and oldest one on the planet. You can get a free month there using the coupon code SOPFREE. And one of the things I love about my job is I get to see a wide variety of shows. And I came across this show called Once Upon a Gene, and I listened to the trailer, and this came out. That's Ford. It's who he is. The pure joy in that sound is what defines him. At 16 months old, Ford was diagnosed with something called CTNNB1 syndrome, a diagnosis so rare they just call it by the name of the mutated gene. He was one in 30 when we were told about his diagnosis. But that diagnosis isn't what defines him. His laughter is. His toughness defines him. His honest desire to bring light and joy to everyone he meets defines him. Hi, my name is Effie. I'm Ford's mom, and I aspire every day to be as tough as that little kiddo is, because this isn't the path I thought my life would take. I always thought that by the time my little boy was three, he would be able to walk. Call me mama. He can't. Not yet, anyway. Here's the thing. I do mourn those losses, and I always will, but I wouldn't change a thing about Ford if I could. Ford has taught me and my family to embrace the beautiful things we have in our lives, even when they're not the things we expected. I didn't get there overnight, though. It was a process, and it continues to be. For me, a major part of the process was finding others that had been through the same thing that I was going through. That wasn't as easy as I thought it would be. I came from a big family, 12 amazing siblings with 30 kids of their own by the time Ford was born, and not one of them had been through this experience. No one I had ever known had, or at least no one that I had ever spoken to seriously about it. And that's how I came to the world of podcasts. They became a lifeline for me. 
I read whatever blogs and books I could find, but it was podcasts that lifted me up in a way that other mediums couldn't. Actually getting to hear from the people going through the same thing I was, getting to hear the love in their voices, the hope, the grief. And so I'm here talking to you, hoping to help others in this community see the beauty and the path that we all walk together. But I want to be clear about something. When I say community, I mean the parents, yes. But I also mean the siblings and the grandparents and the friends. We've hidden those with disabilities in our communities for too long. Hiding from the pain and the difficult truths. And it's come at a cost of all of us. Disability is diversity, and we've been ignoring it. My name is Effie Parks, and... This is Once Upon a Gene, a podcast about love, about hope, about grief, and about growth. All right. So if you've listened to this show before, you've heard me say this. If you reverse engineer why you consume any media, you're probably going to find that it made you laugh, cry, think, groan, educate, or entertain. And when that little boy starts laughing at the beginning... It's hard not to smile. It's hard not to laugh when she talks about how her life is not how she thought it was going to be. She thought by the age of three, he'd be able to say mama and he can't. That made me want to cry. It's tremendously vulnerable to put yourself out there and go, this is what I was thinking. This is not what I expected. And then I love the fact this is where it kind of depends on your audience when she talks about how. When she discovered podcasting and found out that she wasn't alone, that to me was like, yep, I I mean, that's one of the reasons I love podcasting. And then when she said, we're actually, he's teaching us things. I was like, well, that's making me think. And so I just thought on an emotional kind of spectrum, it was huge on a vulnerable spectrum. It was huge. And if I was raising a kid with a rare disease, I would be all over this podcast. And I'm pretty sure we're going to hear great things from Effie Parks in the future. She was on the podcaster's roundtable on the last episode, and she said she'd already been invited to attend different events around her subject. But unfortunately, being that as I record this, we're in the middle of a pandemic, those were canceled. But uh, I just, to me, I heard that and was like, wow, you know, the old saying is some people will, you know, it's, if you want to be remembered, make somebody feel something. And that, it just reached out and touched me in so many ways. You can find the podcast Once Upon a Gene at Effie Parks, that is E-F-F-I-E-P-A-R-K-S. And of course, there'll be a link in the show notes at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 723. Many of us podcast as a hobby, and that's fine. I always say you don't have to make money with your podcast. I was out riding my bike for the first time this uh, spring, had a great time, and nobody asked me when I got off my bike, hey, how much money did you make riding that bike? So if you're doing this as a hobby, enjoy it, have fun. But for some of us, there's that little voice in the back of our head that said, man, wouldn't it be cool if I could do this full time as my job? And today I am interviewing Daryl Grove from the Total Soccer Show. Find it at TotalSoccerShow.com. And Daryl and his co-host are doing their podcast 
full time. Here's my conversation with Daryl. And the fun part of this, this is recorded via Squadcast. And number one, man, am I glad that I've I, I had one interview where I use Zoom. It is like night and day in clarity. And I love the fact that Daryl sounds great. Daryl recorded this with a microphone that costs less than a hundred bucks, the Audio Technica ATR twenty one hundred, and he was in his closet. So you don't have to spend a gazillion dollars to sound great on your podcast. So joining me via Squadcast from the Total Soccer Show, which, you know, creatively enough, totalsoccershow.com. And I got to thank Skyler. I'm going to say SOP, S-O-P-P. Skyler was listening to the show and I guess way back in episode 681 or something, I said, if you know any good guests, somebody who's really crushing it with their podcast, let me know. So Skyler said, hey, you need to go talk to Daryl over at the Total Soccer Show. So Daryl, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, David. It's an honor to be here. And thank you, Skylar, for the recommendation. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I went over, I checked out your website. It looks great. And uh, well, let's just start. When did you know you wanted to start a podcast? I'm going to say 2008. Uh, I was working for a, a soccer website called The Offside. And one of the guys over there did a podcast and invited me on it. So I just got a little taste of it being a guest on someone else's show. And afterwards, I kind of thought, Ooh, yeah, I like this. I like this. Maybe, maybe we could do this. And so what was different from your show than his show? I think I was hosting it. So, <laughs> so instead of just like, you know, a quick appearance, it, just being able to concept it and think about exactly what was going to be on it and the type of show I wanted to be, wanted it to be that, I mean, that's the big difference, right? Is when you get to control your own content, it opens everything up for you. Yeah. And you guys started, I guess, then back in 2009, is that correct? Yeah, the show launched in 2009. The good sort of cheat that we had is that we started it via public radio. So we started with um, a small independent radio station here in Richmond, Virginia. And they essentially, we pitched it to them as a 27-minute radio show. And they broadcast it once a week, but then we also put it out as a podcast. But the big thing is they showed us how to use all the equipment, right? So originally, in so this would be August 2009. In June 2009, if I looked at a mixing board, I didn't know what any of the buttons did, what any of the sliders did. They really had an engineer, like, give me the sort of idiot's guide to what everything does. Um, and I learned just enough to be able to then do it myself. So who knew... Who at the Rick? Like, I don't think most people just go, go, hello, hi, I want to start a radio show. And they go, oh, come on in right there. Second door on the left. How did that happen? Well, it was kind of a new station. So they were looking for local programming because otherwise they have to buy programming from somewhere else. Right. So they were right. putting out a call for um, any shows. So we really just had to walk in there with a with a good pitch. Yeah. So it, it wasn't all handshakes and networking. It really was just walking off the street and here's my pitch. So I'm assuming then that you said you're in Virginia. Yeah. See, I'm in, I'm in Cleveland, Ohio. All of our sports teams are awful. So I'm not a big sports guy. Uh, but obviously then they, ha they must have a soccer team there that apparently is fairly popular or not. Yeah, we have the, uh, the Richmond Kickers. They're a third tier. Um, we don't do like minor league, major league type stuff, but they're a third tier um, team. But they've been around since 1993. It's a really long-standing team. We also have an amateur league here that has like 100 teams in it. Soccer's really, really big in Richmond, but it doesn't, great as the Richmond Kickers are at sort of community involvement, it doesn't all revolve around them. It's a lot of just people being soccer fans and watching uh, the English Premier League on TV, watching the World Cup, just people watching sort of big-time soccer. Got it. And so... What? Because soccer, like you just said, it's a wide subject. Yeah. How, how niche is your show? Is there, are there any things you don't talk about on your show or is it? We deliberately aren't close to anything 
but the the major focus is uh, essentially the U.S. men's national team because that's the team that everybody in this country thinks about and wants to talk about. We cover the U.S. women's national team as well. There's a big thing going on right now with American players. There's a lot of young players who are making their way in Germany, so it's really exciting to watch those guys play in Germany. And then we'll also cover uh, Major League Soccer, which is the the U.S. league, and anything else that's of interest, essentially. And any strategies you've used to to grow your audience over the years? Yeah, I knew that this question was coming and I still don't have like an ABC or here are the 10 things we did kind of answer, or at least not deliberately, right? We didn't sit down and say, we're going to strategize growing the show, but it's almost like the audience has grown over the years and we've heard back from people why they listened. And I'm guessing we can reverse engineer what the, the accidental strategy was from that, right? Okay. So the thing that we've done that no one else has done, right? Which I'm going to guess somewhere in the school of podcasting, you've been telling people have a niche, right? Make sure that you yeah. have a niche and you're not just doing what everybody else does. For example, a lot of soccer podcasts will review a game, right? They'll watch a game and they'll have a review of a big game, say a Premier League game on their show. The thing that we did, which is kind of crazy, but is what really worked for us. We would watch the game and we would watch it again and we would go back and watch clips again and again and again. And we would really figure out sort of tactically, analytically what happened and why. So that when people listen to our show for review of the game, you wouldn't get, oh yeah, that goal was good. That player did well. It would be like, here's what that player did. Here's the thing you didn't see that let him evade this player. Here's the sort of, um, the, the things you might have missed, but we've watched it 10 times and our eyes are hurting. And we're able to tell you this, uh, this very specific thing that maybe no one else is going to be able to tell you. I think, uh, like accidentally that became the, the strategy, but it wasn't, let's do this because we think this will get listeners. Cause in a way that narrows the niche, right? Cause only so many people want to hear that. It's right. genuinely that just that's what we were interested in, right? That's what we, wanted to do. That's the way that Taylor and I like to consume soccer. How long does it take to watch a soccer game multiple, multiple times? So 90 minutes the first time around, um, an hour and a half plus 15 minutes for half time. And we we do generally say, say it's a US men's national team game, which is the games we'll pay the most attention to. That takes the length of the game plus half time. And we kind of watch it just to enjoy it, like go through the emotions of the game and all that kind of stuff. Then quick break, cup of coffee, maybe, um, and we'll restart. And Taylor, my co-host especially, is very good at taking notes. And then we'll just replay the game. And you can sort of observe the things that are not happening where the ball is going. You can look at the other stuff on the screen. So it really takes 90 minutes again, plus the times when we'll like, you know roll back and forth on specific incidents to try and catch what's going on. So honestly, maybe three, four hours altogether if we're giving it um, our full attention. Wow, that's... You must really like soccer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I like, do you know what it is? I like finding out why things happened and I like finding out the secrets. You know what I'm saying? Like I I really enjoy the the hidden stuff that isn't obvious the first time. So it never feels like a labor to discover that stuff. It feels really exciting. It's like, it's like panning for gold and and usually you find some. This is the classic example. For Daryl, this is not work. He would love to watch soccer for nine hours. And what does he end up doing? He's giving his audience something they can't get any place else. It's unique content, and he's just doing more than the other people to provide content that they can't get any place else. Do you guys ever go to the games and hand out swag or anything like that? Or how do you do you any kind of physical interaction with your audience? I mean, we have done in the past, we would go to um, our local Richmond Kickers. Uh, we would, you know, hand out flyers and things like that. We'll go to things like the, there's a big thing called the uh, United Soccer Coaches Convention, um, where we'll go around and maybe let people know about the show. 
we're really aiming for the whole of the US. Our ideal potential audience size per episode is 330 million. <laughs> so okay. it's really hard to go out and catch everybody, right? So it would take a lot of time and effort to, uh, to catch all the, all the soccer fans around the US. So we really can't do it physically. Yeah. I saw where you, you have a lot of, you've had players, you've had coaches, you've had all sorts of different people interviews. Any tips on, on getting interviews or, or performing interviews, anything you've done to, uh, in that area that you think a, a podcaster might benefit from learning? I think just don't be scared to reach out. I mean, obviously do it professionally, but it like, if you're going to go through, if there's a player you want to talk to from a certain team, then you've got to know that, okay, this team's going to have a communications director or a public relations director or a marketing director. So just contact the correct person, tell them who you want to interview and tell them, you know, roughly what you want to ask about. But then also one strategy I always have is be really respectful of someone's time, right? If you send an email that's like 12 paragraphs over explaining what you're going to do, then you know that as soon as that person opens that email and sees the length of it, they'll just be like, Ugh. but if you can send a, a one paragraph email that succinctly says, here's who I want to talk to and here's why, then the worst they can do is say no. It, yeah, it's as simple as that. Just ask, but ask politely and professionally and don't waste the other person's time. And if somebody said, okay, but like, where are you from again? How would you answer that question? Oh, if the, if the person says here. Communication says, okay, I, I understand you want to talk to, you know, Sven, whatever, yeah. uh, the goalie from such and such. Who are you again? How would you so, answer that? I mean, we're lucky that we're, we're, I think, the second biggest soccer podcast in the US now. So we can sort of give our download, download numbers and say, hey, we're, the, we're this show. Um, we have this many listeners. And often that's, that's enough to sort of sway. Before you were the second highest, you know, podcast, because that's awesome, by the way. Um, how would you say that? Let's, let's say you're, you're at month number four. I mean, we would just be honest and say how many downloads we had and then we would see if that's, if that's good enough or not, right? I mean, right. again, worst they can do um, is say no. Is say no. Well, and the other thing that, that people need to realize is you've got their target audience, people that like soccer. So yeah. that's probably why people are coming on your show. Yeah. I noticed one of the things I, I, I have a book coming out later this year about making money with your podcast. And the one thing I saw that people that are doing this full time, and I guess we should get that out there. Are you doing this full time now? Is, yes. is this like your job? Yeah. Like Monday through Friday, we do a show every single day. Yeah. And it's full time. I have one sort of um, extra freelance copywriting job where I just do a couple things a month. Um, mm -hmm. And basically, I just didn't want to give that up. But I mean, this takes up 90% of my working time. Yeah. Why? Well, yeah. When you're watching. <laughs> watching that game over and over and over. When we come back, how long did it take Daryl and Travis to go full time? Hey, is your audience not growing fast enough? Have you ever stopped to think that maybe it's your content? Look, I know your friends and family said it was great and they wouldn't lie, right? I mean, they love you. Find out what needs polished and what you need to do more of when you get your show reviewed at podcastreviewshow.com. That's podcastreviewshow.com. You started in 2009. When did you make the, the jump to full-time? Full-time? I want to say it wasn't until 2017, 18. And we, we really inched our way there, if that makes sense. 2014 is when we nearly stopped doing it. We went all in for the 2014 World Cup. We had been doing one show a week, then two shows a week. For the 2014 World Cup, Taylor and I decided, all right, we're going to do a show every single day of the World Cup, preview every game, review every game. 
So that really did take up sort of all day, every day. We just 100% committed to it. And if we sort of get a big boost in listeners out of this, then we'll keep going. And that's what happened. I think we doubled our audience and we had a lot of momentum behind us and we felt really good about it. After that, just after 2014, is when we started thinking about renting some uh, studio space or office space, basically, that we turned into a studio by putting panels everywhere and started pitching advertisers. So that was the, the big thing for us was to start pitching advertisers. And we really did just find soccer-specific companies, reach out to them. I mean, similar to reaching out to the, uh, the communications people, right? We'd reach out and say, this is how many downloads we've got. This is how much it would be to advertise on our show. Are you interested? And it was just reaching out to as many people as possible until somebody said yes. There you go. If they say no, all right, well, who's next on the list? Yeah. Don't give up. And again, not a 10-paragraph email, a one-paragraph email, just really basic, here it is. Uh, are you interested or not? And then there's no... I wanted to make it sort of easy for people to just say yes or no and not like feel weird about it. You know what I mean? How did you come up with the companies? Were these things that you used or was it just a, a Google search and okay, there's a soccer company, we'll call to them? Or was there any kind of personal tie to the the first couple of places you you reached yeah. out to? They were just soccer related companies that I'd seen floating around. There was no specific formula, but for example, say that I'd seen a soccer company uh, running a Facebook ad when I'm scrolling through my Facebook feed, then I know that this company is spending money on advertising. Mm. Also, they're probably not happy with what's going on with Facebook because I know a lot of people don't get their money back on Facebook ads, right? So I would reach out to them. And you know, because we were starting up with advertising, I would offer them what I thought was genuinely a really good deal, right? Quite a low rate, just to yeah. prove that we could have an advertiser. And if they're not spending too much, then they're almost guaranteed return on investment because it's not a high upfront right. investment. And so, yeah, and just keep building those relationships uh, that way. Yeah. So the first one, I'd be actually happy to shout them out because they stuck with us uh, for a long, long time was a uh, Roughneck Scarves, which was a, a company, I think they're based in Washington, who made soccer scarves. Uh, so we just reached out to them and said, hey, this is a perfect fit for our audience. Mm -hmm. uh, would you be interested in advertising? This is how many downloads we have. This is how much it would cost. And they, they just got back and said, yeah, let's give it a go. We'll do like a two-week trial, see if we get any sales. And if it works, then we'll, we'll stick with you. You said you almost stopped in 2014. What, what happened that you were like, eh, I think we're... We just did, we'd, we'd kind of plateaued in terms of downloads and we'd been doing two shows a week. And so it just seemed like maybe we'd hit the ceiling, but we'd never done that thing of going all in and providing wall-to-wall -wall coverage of something as big as a World Cup. Um, so we really thought like, okay, if we go all in, what happens? Will it, does it just still stay plateaued? Have we hit the, the biggest audience we can find? Is there not like... Um, there's definitely more soccer fans out there than there were listening to our show, but could we get more people if we put out a lot of content? Um, and it turns out the answer was yes. Yeah. And not only more content, but really good content. That's the, the key, uh, I think, in this yeah. scenario. So you, you started with uh, advertisers. Tell me a little bit. I know you have a, it's called the Scouting Network. Yes. Um, so that was the other thing after 2014, as well as pitching advertisers, we had done during the 2014 World Cup, we'd done a thing where we'd uh, just seen if people would like to donate to sort of keep the show keep the show going, essentially. We would have a section on the show where we'd thank all the people that had donated and give them what we called uh, a Brazilian shirt name, which is, if you know much about soccer, the uh, Brazilian players often have a nickname that they wear on their back. So it's not really the name they're born with, it's their Brazilian shirt name. Say if you donated, Dave Jackson there was a thing online called a Brazilian shirt name generator. So we could put your name into that and get some options for what your shirt name right. would be. And it could be Jacinho or Davao or, you know, something Portuguese, Brazilian. And that turned out to be really popular. And what we realized is that people like 
obviously they like the show enough to contribute some money, but they told us afterwards they enjoyed having their name shouted out on the show and having a little piece of the show be their content. So that's the, that was the germ of the idea. So when we wanted to go for something bigger, we established the scouting network, which is we find these young players that there's a lot, there's a lot of hype about young players in soccer. Everyone's really excited about this, you know, 17 year old. Cause in soccer, when you're 17, you can just play pro if you're good enough. So we would pick a player and then we would assign that player to the person who has joined the scouting network as a scout and is like making a monthly donation to the show. And then we would ask you to send reports on what your player is doing. So then at the end of every show, we would have a roundup of all the scouting reports we'd been sent. So it was genuinely really good content because people are hearing about what this 17-year-old player is doing, what this, what this other player is doing. And the person who's contributing gets not only their name on the show, but gets to sort of own that piece of the show, own that segment of the show. That's awesome. Yeah, that's because uh, as we talk about this, the one person who's really loving this content right now is Skylar. He's like, he's like, Hey, I made that happen. Yeah. What are you using to manage that? Cause it sounds like kind of like a Patreon setup, but I don't see Patreon on your website. So how are you yeah. managing that? Um, so we use uh moon clerk, which I'm not sure if, um, if you've heard of that, it's moon clerk. Yeah. Moon clerk. It's a third party service deliberately designed to manage and process monthly subscription payments. Hmm. Um, and you don't really see the branding anywhere. I don't think right. they think Moonclerk will generate forms for you. And then we use Squarespace for our website and you can drop the Moonclerk form onto the, there's the page on our website where you can join the scouting network and the Moonclerk form is there. But then I have like a login for the Moonclerk sort of backend where, you know, we can manage everybody's, uh, actually we can't manage anybody's subscription. That's the point of it, right? Cause we don't right. steal the financial data, but we do have the person's name when they joined, um, how much they're paying, what their request was, because people can request, oh, I want a German player or I want an American player. So yeah, Moonclerk handles all that for us. And then we use, in Google Drive, it's called Google Sheets, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. The kind of Excel-like thing that Google has. Yep. Um, so we have a form on our website where people submit their scouting reports. You know, they'll say, my player scored this weekend, here's a link to the goal. And that will then populate uh, a Google Sheet that we can just keep track of uh, where all the reports are coming in. Then, you know, we read them out, then we delete them, obviously, so that everything there is still to be read. And that's how we handle it. There are probably better ways of doing it, but it's, we chose that method in like 2015 and that's, that's what we're sticking with. That's probably why you chose it. There wasn't anything available at the time back then. How did you figure out what to charge your sponsors? Uh, oh, so uh, advertisers, you mean the sponsors? Um, yeah. How did we figure it out? I think we did basically CPM, which I'm sure you know okay. what that is. I'm, I'm yeah. going to guess your listeners know what that is. because Yeah, it's good. good in, just in case, it's the amount of money per thousand downloads. Yeah, so we deliberately chose a low CPM to begin with. Okay. And I think we chose like 10 or $15 as the CPM. So that is low. It is low, yeah. But we, we had zero advertisers at this time, right. right? So essentially, as the show filled up with advertising, then we would raise the CPM for the next round of advertisers and keep going and going and going like that. Then the next thing we did was reach out to agencies and say, hey, we already have this roster of advertisers that we've attracted ourselves. We've already proven that we can deliver return on investment. Would you sort of add us to your client role um, and then you pitch out for us and then you know, we would work out whatever their deal was where they would take 20% of, uh, right. of, their, of their revenue. And obviously a lot of those um, advertising agencies, the CPM they pitch at is a lot, lot higher. So the first time we got really big CPMs, was when someone else was doing it for us, right? 
Well, that way you don't have to handle all the paperwork and all the yeah. follow-up and all that other fun-filled stuff. So yeah. there's, I, I know some people are like, I don't want to give away, you know, 20%. I'm like, oh, wait till you get into the paperwork. You'll yeah. be. And you also, you get access. There are some advertisers who only go through agencies, right? They just won't deal with um, ind- an individual podcast. It has to be through an advertising agency. And sometimes it's that they've signed up with another agency and then that agency deals with advertising agencies. So you sometimes have to go through two or three layers of agencies to get to a a big client, right? So that's the only way that you're going to get there. One of the segments I have on the show, but I I call it because of my podcast. So if there's something that happened to you or, or, or whatever that wouldn't have happened, except, well, you have a podcast. So because of my podcast, blank. Oh, I have, a, think of- I have a huge one for this. Um, it's great. Let's okay. hear it. So it's ultimately a happy story, right? In January 2019, I got uh, diagnosed with stage four colon cancer, which is obviously uh, very serious. Yeah. Um, I had a friend of mine who's unrelated to the show. She started a, a GoFundMe thinking, I mean, because I have health insurance, but these things get expensive, right? So my, yeah. my friend started a GoFundMe for me. And I think somehow someone who listens to the show found it and it started getting promoted and then once it was out, sort of Taylor, my co-host, mentioned it on the show. So I essentially got a lot of donations to this GoFundMe thanks to the Total Soccer Show. because It was because of my podcasts. Um, it was the whole soccer community kind of rallied around. It got like quite a lot of publicity. And we, we raised uh, basically $100,000 is what we raised for medical expenses. So I had treatment for six months that was like intermittently successful, but the chemotherapy was essentially not successful in the end. And so I had to try um, a clinical trial right? So this clinical trial was out of my insurance network and out of town. And it was a bit of a gamble, right? There's no guarantee that it would be successful. But because I had that cushion of money that had been raised, I knew that essentially I could financially afford to take this gamble and go and see if this clinical trial treatment would work. So because of my podcast, (laughs) I was able to go and try this clinical trial, which um, so far has been really, really successful in shrinking tumors. I'm like really healthy right now, not out of the woods, but like way, doing way, way better than I would have been yeah. if not for my podcast and if not for that funding. Awesome. Do you know Lee Silverstein by any chance? No. Oh, uh, you got to check out his podcast. We have cancer. Okay. <laughs> com. Lee is a stage four, I believe, colon cancer survivor. He's been around for, I think he's had it for 10 years now, wow. nine or 10 years. And he, he created a podcast that he said, I want to create the podcast that I needed when the doctor looked at me and said, you have cancer, he goes, cause I thought it was a death sentence. Yeah. And he goes, and it's, it's not. And his whole thing is like, here's, here are things you can do. So we have cancer.com is, uh, he's a great guy. And, uh, uh yeah, check it out. We have cancer.com. That's that my friend is a great story though. That's, uh, when you're getting six figures from your fans, that's a beautiful thing right there. That, yeah. That'll, that was also the moment that my parents realized that the podcast wasn't just something I was messing around with. I think when they saw, uh, they saw how many people had donated. They were like, oh, I see. This is a proper thing. <laughs> we understand why you don't have a normal job now. <laughs> uh, how are you explaining that to your parents when they're like, what do you, is it, you know, are you on the radio? Like what's, what's the, how do you, how would you yeah. explain it? So because it started as that public, that local public radio That's true. show, um, I think they still think of it as a local public radio show. So, and then when we, so we made the decision, uh, what, two or three years in, when was it? Oh, it was after the success of that 2014 World Cup, like every day mm-hmm. thing, to stop broadcasting it on the radio because it was just, there were too many episodes and it wasn't related. And also it's a public radio, so we couldn't run advertising. So when, mm-hmm. when we took it off the radio, they were very confused about why, why would you do that? 
right? Because you see in their hierarchy, radio is where you want to be. Yeah. And podcast is a thing that they don't really understand. Yeah. So honestly, they don't necessarily fully understand it just yet, but they know that they don't have to send me money to pay my rent. So they know that some, something must be working. Right? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, no. I know, I, to be clear, I never asked them for money to pay my rent, but <laughs> they, they recognize that I'm, I'm sort of uh, surviving financially. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Tell me about your, your target audience. Target audience, you mean as a number or as the type of person? The type of person. Type of person I would say we're aiming for or we would hope is listening to the show is someone who is open-minded about what's going on in a soccer game. Because a lot of people have very firm opinions about, especially when it comes to the US national team, about, oh, the coach sucks, he doesn't know what he's doing, right? And if you're just stuck there, then you're not interested in hearing any of the nuance that we're sort of trying to explain about what the coach is attempting to do, um, which is the situation we're in right now. We have a coach who has this very specific style of play that takes a while to implement. So as we're reviewing every US national team game, we're trying to talk people through, okay, this is what he's trying in this game and it might not work, but this is the thing to, to keep an eye on. So our target audience is the type of person that is open-minded enough to think, okay, I can see that. I can be patient and not just be angry if this result doesn't go the way we want it to go. That's a very specific target audience. And definitely there's a lot of who don't feel that way, but that's yeah. who we hope is listening. That's why I asked that question because people that are successful at a podcast can explain exactly like you just did yeah. in great detail who their audience is. It's that's really I I the more I've I've kind of this year the people I talk to I notice what's the common theme here and they all know exactly who they're talking to. Yeah. And and the people that aren't just not my target audience. I'm not going to try to be everything to everybody. What's the the primary way you communicate with your audience? Is there do you have a Facebook group? Is it email? Are you using a, I don't know, Mighty Network or uh, no, you know, anything just, like that? It's Twitter and email. Uh, basically, we're, we're on Twitter and we respond to, you know, most times someone contacts us, we'll respond just because I enjoy, especially with friendly, fun people, I enjoy the back oh, yeah. and forth. If it's like a, a weird, angry thing, we just don't respond or never block anyone, but often mute people. If there's like some, some abuse coming at us, we'll just mute. Okay. We don't need to hear that. You can keep tweeting that, but we'll never see it. So <laughs> I kind of think of that as a little win that that person's wasting their time and we'll never see the, the mean message. I like the back and forth on Twitter with, if we've done a thing on the show, like listing things of a certain type and we've missed a couple, we'll hear from people like, Hey, you missed this one. And, I'll be, and then that'll be nice to be like, Oh yeah, that, that's a good one too. And we can go back and forth about that. For longer exchanges, we're, we're pretty good with email. We get a lot of emails a day. Um, but I, I genuinely, I read every single email that comes to us because sometimes there's really good feedback in there about like, hey, maybe you guys should tweak this a little bit or try that a little bit. And obviously, you, you can't do everything that everybody suggests. But sometimes there'll be a thing where it'll spark something with me. I'll text my co-host Taylor and be like, hey, what do you think about this? And we'll get back to that person and ask them more questions about the suggested tweak. And sometimes it's just fun, you know, fun soccer stuff that people email us and we'll go back and forth about. So yeah, email and Twitter. It's very basic, right? That's not like a special communications package. It's just two easy things that are out there. If it works, yeah. right? No, no sense breaking it. How do you and Taylor, do you guys have any kind of physical agreement or is it just a, a gentleman's handshake on who does what and who gets paid what and things like that? Because so, that, that can get really, Taylor could be your best friend and then money gets in the picture and things get weird real quick. Yeah, so the... The money stuff is on paper, but because we, you know, we, the company became an LLC in late 2014. So it's set up so that 
we take a, a roughly equal salary. I lowered my salary after the cancer diagnosis because I mm. took a day or two off a week and he sort of kept things going. So we felt like he should get a little more salary during that time. We also do what they, what they call them, uh, disbursements or draws. Um, mm. And that's set at like 50%, 50% each ownership of the company and therefore 50% of the, the, the draws, the profits come to, come to each of us. That stuff's on paper. The other stuff in terms of workload has sort of just developed along the way. Like I'm, I'm sure Taylor wouldn't mind me saying I took on more of the load of like pitching advertisers because I was just more comfortable like sending that email and not not being right. worried to be told no. So I, I was happy to do it, and it it turned out that rather than me hassling him to send emails, it was better for just me to do it and then him to take something else off of my plate. Right. So one thing he does, for example, is uh the the scouting reports that that come in for the scouting network. Mm-hmm. He takes responsibility for taking all those scouting reports out of the spreadsheet. And compiling them into a separate document so that we can so that we can read through them on the show. So that's just two examples of uh, things that we take responsibility for. In terms of content, that's definitely a more of a fifty-fifty kind of thing. We'll each come up with, we'll just have ideas and text them to each other, uh, and then we'll just work on it together. Basically, we never split the content down the middle in that way. That we sort of both work on the content, so we're both on the same page. You've been doing this for for a while. Anything that you look back and go. Yeah, if we were to do that again, we we wouldn't do that. Hmm. I think the the good thing is that we've always tried to push it each time and never settled on like, okay, this is this is where it's at. There's always the thing of trying to make it a little better, trying to make it a little bigger. Maybe I want to say that I wish we'd gotten the um the office slash studio sooner, but I can't say that financially we could have afforded to do that any sooner. We kind of did it as soon as there was enough money to be able to pay the rent on that office. So yeah, I can't even say that I wish we'd done that sooner. Maybe I wish that the doing multiple shows per week thing we'd done sooner. We did it because the 2014 World Cup was coming, but we theoretically could have done more than two shows per week the couple of years before that. There was also the time while uh, Taylor was in Turkey and, and Northern Iraq for a little while. The technology was definitely there for us to have done more remote shows than I think we realized. And I think at the time we were kind of dependent on doing it in the... The, uh, the studio at the public radio station. Um, so we would only use that equipment. I think if I'd been a bit more adventurous with technology, probably could have done more shows with Taylor back in the day. And you recently had a, a new development where, is it a network or what approached you? Yeah, so uh, The Athletic, which is a really big um, sports, I'm going to say entity at this point. They've hired a lot of very famous writers across soccer and football and basketball and all that kind of stuff. They've got sort of a lot of venture capital behind them. And they, they started a podcast network and yeah, they approached us about joining their network. And the, uh, the deal is basically that they were still independent in terms of content, uh, but they own all of our advertising block, right? So they essentially paid us up front for our advertising and then they sell our advertising for us. Um, so that, but it, we also get the advantage of being part of their, their network. Like we get the association of um, being part of The Athletic, which literally does open doors for us. Um, that happened um, in January. Taylor was going into uh, a press conference with some quite famous players. Oh, David Beckham is a player you would have heard of, right? It was at this yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Major League Soccer 25th year anniversary kickoff thing. And there was you know, a kind of gatekeeper at the door going into this big press conference. And she said, who are you with? And he said, Total Soccer Show with this uh, podcast. Uh, we're the second biggest podcast and all that. And she was like, Oh, I'm not sure. And she don't know. And then he said, Oh, we're also with the athletic. And she, she was like, Oh, come on in. <laughs> <laughs> so it literally does open doors just to be attached to a bigger network. And then honestly, it's also provided some financial security for us 
in this time, right? Um, I'm sure you've gotten all those emails that begin in these uncertain times. Um, so <laughs> it's really good to be part of a bigger network and have that deal in place uh, for however long this period lasts. Any advice for somebody thinking of starting a podcast? I think I've heard you give this advice, but it's don't expect to make money straight away. And essentially don't do it for the money and don't do it for the audience. Do it because you want to do it, right? Make sure that it's a thing that you enjoy doing when you do it. Otherwise, there's no point, right? Because even if if you get to a point where you're making $7 million a year, if you don't enjoy doing it, you might as well have a different job. <laughs> you know what I mean? Although 7 million yeah. is a bad number to choose because that's probably more than, <laughs> more than an average salary. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, say, but say you could replace your uh, regular day salary, job. your day job with yeah. it. Yeah. If you don't enjoy doing it, then there was no point making that switch to begin with, right? If you're going to make a big change away from your job, make it for something that you enjoy doing. Absolutely. Well, the, the website, totalsoccershow.com. Daryl, man, I appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing your story. And uh, I wish you the best of luck with everything you're doing and your health, obviously. Thanks. And thanks again for coming on the show. Thanks, Dave. It's been an absolute honor. Thank you. Well, a great accent. And I know that's nowhere close to that. Hey, thanks to uh, Skylar again for sending uh, Daryl over my way. Uh, let's do the Jerry Springer, shall we? What did we learn here? Well, number one, it took them years, years to go full time. They had so much passion for soccer that they would spend hours watching the same game over and over and over. Why? Because they love soccer. That passion drove them through. Uh, and what did that enable them to do? Deliver content that you can't get anyplace else. To me, they str- uh, you know strike while the iron's hot. World Cup is when they went, hey, let's 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 ramp it up even more. Why? Because the world was talking about soccer. I thought that was a great move. And uh, they interact with their audience via whatever works, Twitter and email. But I loved their membership program. Get them involved in they're actually helping them make the show. They get to pick a soccer person, which means it's not only is the person getting involved, it's good content. I that's like one of the most creative membership tools I've ever seen. Plus you get a Brazilian name. I mean, how how cool is that? And you'll notice they have multiple streams of income. They've got sponsorship. They've got a membership site. I'm sure they've got affiliate because why not, you know, and then in the end, when do you join a network? Well, that's been a question we've talked a lot about here. Uh, When they're going to give you a boatload of cash. Yeah. I mean, there's much more to that. We've talked about that in other Uh, episodes about should I create a network? And uh, I'll put a link to that out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 723. Have you gone to schoolofpodcasting.com slash question to answer the question of the month, the question of the month this month, and I need this by this Friday, the 22nd of May, is, and I'm assuming you have a podcast here, Did you kind of form any kind of focus group? Where did you get feedback from when you were launching your podcast? And how did you assemble that? Where did you find those people? And if you didn't, well, why not? And let's go back to the people that did. What did you learn by having a focus group? I'm kind of obsessed with focus groups lately. And uh, I'll be talking about this in the future. I have been, I reached out via my newsletter, via a couple different places and said, hey, I need to do some research on podcasting in what you're doing. And uh, I got to tell you, it's it's bizarre because 
some of my regular, my friends, basically people I've met through the show reached out and it's always great that you have friends, but, and that part I'm not worried about. I have people that I don't know, like listeners that I've never met that said, Oh yeah, let's do this. And it's weird because underneath all this, there is still that, that smaller than he used to be, but he's still there. That shy Dave that's like, Oh, I have to talk to an absolute stranger. And that's going to be awkward a little bit. Maybe we'll see. But uh, thanks so much. In the future, I'm going to be talking with uh, Jessica Shambora from Mighty Networks. I'm also, I've been playing with some new toys. So those will be coming up with some reviews of that. Also tomorrow, I'll put a link to this in the show notes. Uh, I am doing a Northeast Ohio podcasters meetup. Actually, as you listen to that, it's tonight. That is the uh, 18th. And since we're doing this online, I'm inviting you. You can pretend like you're from Ohio. And I have the one and only Brittany Felix from Podcasting for Coaches. And there is time for like open Q&A. So you'll kind of have two podcast coaches there, myself and Brittany. But Brittany is a huge fan of Airtable. And it's kind of selfish, but I was like, okay, why don't you come on and do a quick 10, 15 minutes on Airtable and why it's so cool. So if you've heard about Airtable and wanted to see how somebody who uses it with her podcast and her uh, consulting business, uh, check out schoolofpodcasting.com slash 723, and I will have a link to that Zoom meeting, and that is at 7 o'clock on the 18th. That's Eastern Standard Time. My apologies to everyone in, in Europe because that's probably like 3 in the morning or something like that, but uh, you feel free to pretend you're from Ohio. Also. On the 20th of May, I've got, which is uh, also this week, I got a lot of webinars going on this week. This is the Your Podcast website, and it's a free webinar. Go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash webinar. It's myself and the creator of PodPage, and we're going to go over what should be on your podcast page, whether you're using WordPress or Squarespace or Wix or whatever. And then we're going to kind of do a little demo of pod page. So if you're a person that's like, Hmm, you know what? I need a little more power than what my media host has, uh, but I hate WordPress. I just hate WordPress. Then you want to check this out. Uh, again, just go to school slash webinar. As we, uh, what are we, week 10, 15, 8 million? I don't know what week it is of this pandemic as I record this. Please be safe. They're starting to loosen the reins here, but maintain social distance, wear a mask, wash your hands, and stay safe because I need as many listeners as I can get. Thanks so much for tuning in. Until next week, take care. God bless. Class is dismissed. Class is dismissed.